All right, this is, yeah, Sondheim in New York City. The only way to hear him. I've seen regional productions that can <laughs> suck my... <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. TJ, we still need a title. It's summer. How are you? I'm great. I'm too busy for titles. I'm constantly at the beach. I'm working on my body. Good for you. Yeah, you've got you've got a real beach bod going. I do have got a real beach dad bod because I've decided to spend the summer getting back into cheeseburgers. Oh. For some reason with the grill going, I'm like, yeah, I want a beef burger. It used to be like quarterly. Now I'm eating like multiple burgers a week, which means standing is going to be a problem soon. I'm getting back. I never got out of cheeseburgers, TJ. You, you're trying to get back in. I never left. Yeah, but then how do you look? And I don't do this a lot. How do you look hmm. so, what's the word? Cut. <laughs> yeah, very cut. cut. I'm very cut too. Like my life's going to be cut by about a decade with all the burgers. <laughs> yeah. Casey does a lot of cuts on us too. So we're also very cut. Yeah. And like, you've hurt me a few times, but I got to say that first cut was the deepest. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about deep cuts because today <laughs> we are talking about John Lennon's Sometime in New York City. TJ, we've been meaning to get to this record. I'm super excited, Tony. Let's get right into it. Uh, what's the name of track one? Can you? Uh, I, you know, that, that, I, I, we'll have to, I got to look that up. Give us in part two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll get to that. We'll figure out what that first song is called. Yeah. Uh, a song that we've discussed 400 times on this program already, but today we thought, let's talk about that one some more. Yeah. Uh, and all the other songs that are on Sometime in New York City. Yeah, man, we were we were hoping to get to this album last year when supposedly there was going to be a 50th anniversary reissue. That has not happened. No, there was a lot of talk about it because it's the 50th and it would follow some of the other. Although Imagine didn't have a 50th. Imagine came out in 2018 when they did the deluxe mm-hmm. reissue of that. So yeah. I think Plastic Ono Band, that reissue was meant to kind of time for the 50th. Yeah. I also think now that Universal's behind it, I think reissuing this album with big public um, hoo-ha would be uh, an interesting decision. I know we're going to yeah. get to the album, but yeah, if there's no proper 50th so i'm excited to look there's a lot about this album to talk about a lot of it's held up better than i thought a lot of it's held up worse than i thought (laughs) yeah we will talk about it yeah let's do some of that housekeeping of course thank you for listening a b like and subscribe if you do enjoy listening feel free c give us a review if you if you do like us that's that would be nice if you gave us a review tj we've gotten some great five-star reviews Lately, thank you for those. Those yeah. have been real nice. They mean a lot. They, When I see a nice review, I can cancel therapy for six weeks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, four. Four. A month. A month's yeah, good. I don't want to talk to myself. <laughs> and for you Paint Your Wagon fans, I talk to the trees. Tony, please continue. <laughs> I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. Well, can I make an observation, TJ? Yeah. I've noticed that our five-star reviews, they're very well-written, carefully chosen words. We, we, we get some one-star reviews from time to time, and I've noticed that those reviews often have misspellings. They're kind of less coherent. They seem to be written by people who have a lot of consonant clusters 
just in their names. They don't seem like real names. So, I mean, that's just an observation. I feel like five-star reviewers give five-star reviews. And one-star reviewers give one-star reviews. Yeah. They're kind of like sad, low-information people. Well, the, the, I would agree. There's a direct correlation between the intellect of people who listen and leave good reviews and the people who hate listen and leave bad reviews. <laughs> it's it's an intellect thing. Yeah. It, it's it, All it is, It's just, we did the data, and that was the data that uh, the data showed us. He did the data. I did the mama. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's uh, somehow a reference to the ABC sitcom Dinosaurs. Hashtag not the mama. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy, that not fucking show. Not the mama. Not the mama. Not the mama. You do that one more time and I'm going to throw you across the room. Not the mama. And we're on the Patreon. Uh, feel free if you if you have the means to join us on Patreon. If you don't have the means, put it on a, a high interest credit card if you care about the show. <laughs> yeah, if you really care, get yourself in uh, in, in some heavy debt. What jo- <laughs> it worked for George. <laughs> and yeah. if you want to invest in yeah. handmade films, handmade send films. Tony and I. <laughs> Let us be your handmade films. <laughs> Best international currency in the world. That's opium. Shanghai surprise. Now, if you join the Patreon, you get on our Discord, which is like a Slack, you know, it's like a community, it's like an old chat room, basically. And uh, I want to just give a shout out to Mick B, one of our Discord listeners, Patreon members, who's been doing these groovy uh, Photoshop things. Like he made a fantasy cover for my summer fantasy LP, which it's was based awesome. on the Beach Boys Endless Summer. And it was uh, features Jimmy Nickel, and he called it Friendless Summer. So <laughs> good stuff, Mick. Great B, job, thank Mick you. B. Yeah. Uh, we do have merch. We got a cease and desist on a lot of our merch. So the, there's slim pickings at the moment. But Who ratted if, us out? Which uh, one of you B-words <laughs> reported us? It was one of those one-star consonant cluster men that's all upset about whatever they're angry about in their lives. Too many consonants. Piano's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. I'm not saying he's wrong, but why put it in print? I hate music! Uh, yeah, man, let's, let's make some more merch. Uh, I'm still, I, I think I want to create a number one in Newtopia shirt, so I got to do that, but look for that on the merch, tpublic.com. All of this is on untitledbeatlespodcast.com. I also want to give it out a shout out to my friend, Fred. Thank you, Fred. I work with Fred on sets. S-E-T-S. <laughs> but we do sext. Hi, Fred. Um, we don't sext, but you know what I mean. Yet. <laughs> well, there's always a chance, isn't there? No, it's impossible to say. Uh, Fred gifted me on set. He presented me with a 12-inch record, the special disco version of a song called Disco Mania, as you can see here, TJ. RSO Records does Ooh. a 10-minute and 10-second disco medley of a lot of Beatles songs. We did mention this. This is Cafe Creme, I believe is the band name. We mentioned them on our sampling episode. That's right. But I finally got a chance to listen to it on vinyl, and it's great, man. It's more like later period stuff. It's like, how many songs? Let's count them all. 35. They do 35 songs on here, 16 of which are late period. I count Strawberry Fields as the beginning of the late period. Is that, what do you think of that? 
yes, the late period. I mean, I was taught by the Red and Blue albums, which we'll oh, get to at yeah. some point, too. The Red, you know, 62 to 66, basically up through Revolver is early to mid, and late and mid to late begins with 67. Yeah, yeah. I counted 16 late period, nine mid songs, and six early songs. And then you get your wild card. One wild card, a song called Twistin' in the 60s. Anyway, it's a fun listen, man. It's a fun listen. Uh, it's the Beatles with a disco beat. And it precedes Stars on 45 by That's like right. two years or a year and a half, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, man. So. And unlike Stars on 45, which in the U.S. was on something called Radio Records, this one is on that cool RSO logo, which is one of my favorite. It's right up there with Apple and yeah. the Capital Rainbow. The RSO uh, label with the, the bull is so great. Yeah, which as a kid, because it was pink, I always... Uh, Thought it was a pig. <laughs> a pig with horns. All right, Tony, I uh, hate to do this, my friend, but we're both culpable and we're both going to, you know, get some prison time. Um, hopefully there'll be a former president with us because it's time to visit the Department of Corrections. Uh-oh. What do you mean, TJ? In our episode where we had our summer fantasy records, we talked about the clean opening of A Day in the Life being part of the Blue Album, 67 Mm -hmm. to 70. Now, that's true, but it's only been true in the post-1988 era because the first time that debuted on CD with a clean intro was on the Imagine John Lennon soundtrack, which came out in 88. That is the first time that intro was clean. And then when the CDs came, which were, I think, the CDs of Red and Blue were 93, I'm pretty sure those then began the clean intro. But the original vinyl pressings had the uh, the sound of the crowd from the Pepper reprise. I guess I didn't know that. That's funny that I wouldn't know that. We, I bet I'd forgotten it at the time, too. But when I heard it, I'm like, I don't think that's right, because my original Blue Album, you hear the, um, with the Apple, you hear the crowd. So I knew that's it was crazy. So I did a little research. I'm like, oh, yeah, the first time was on that 88 Imagine CD, which has never been remastered. The Imagine John Lennon album has had, I think they repressed it in 92 with the Apple logo when Apple was back in business, but it's never been remastered or I don't even think you can stream Imagine John Lennon, the soundtrack. No. Which has the real love demo. Yeah. 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 That's another great like out of print thing that, yeah. Uh, yeah. That yeah, let's we should do an episode on that. That would be fun. Yeah. The movie's great. Maybe we'll do a two-parter with the movie and the soundtrack. Ah. Uh. Yeah, the damn movie. I love that movie. Discover John, a motion picture portrait of the angry youth, the musician, the radical, the husband, the father, the lover, the idealist, through his own words and personal collection of film and music. Imagine John Lennon. 
Just watched it last uh, earlier this year sometime. Yeah, man. Me too. I watched <laughs> it on a flight. It, oh, wow. It s- still makes me cry. Yeah. It, it's now, still... is that just because it's on a flight? Because, you know, that's a thing where people cry on watching. Like, I, I got teary watching the Temple Grandin movie on an, on an airplane. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I started developing this strange crush on Claire Danes as Temple Grandin, too, which is, well, it's, that's, let's leave that. That's for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, here's my thoughts on Natalie Portman if we're going to go there. <laughs> and what I do on flights. <laughs> Fine, I'll watch Black Swan again. Don't look at me. I've got a tent over me. It's Fritzy, almost the Jewish holiday. Yeah. Is that a paper bag on your knee, or are you just happy to see <laughs> Natalie Portman? All right, all right. That's not vomit. <laughs> well, TJ, thank you for turning yourself in to the Department of Corrections. That you, you turned yourself in on that one, right? I turned both of us in. I blame oh, you yeah. for it, but I'm technically I'm your accomplice. A partnership got your back. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about it, man. Let's give him something to talk about, TJ. Sometime in New York City. 50th anniversary last year, as we mentioned, there was even a website. The the John Lennon website said like 50th whatever, remix, ultimate mix, coming. Uh, it never did. That uh, that website is, has changed and is now just uh, all the info about the, the album, the double album that came out June 12th, 1972 in the US and September 15th. 72 in the UK it was held up by a uh, Northern songs publishing dispute between Len and Ono songs. Similar thing that Paul went through with, uh, <laughs> in Africa and- <laughs> <laughs> like when Paul got held up and, uh, then, then uh, the band on the run tapes. Yeah. Were gone. When Paul- <laughs> yeah. I was referring to the mugging. <laughs> no, but yeah. held up. <laughs> not funny thank god he lived yeah but sorry about those tapes where are the tapes well but he got him at the end of broad street <laughs> yeah finally 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 gentlemen gentlemen it's been like the first to know i'm sure you'd like to be the first to know we got the tapes we got the tapes it's my favorite line read in the history of any film that a director allowed that to stay is like oh buddy yeah it was probably a long shoot day like, uh, lunch they, they needed to go to lunch like we can't pay these people time and a half for a meal penalty. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> lunch. Did you did you see lunch with the cheesy cafeteria scene with people dressed up like aliens? Nobody wants to eat in that cafeteria. Star Wars with the fake Star Wars people. <laughs> How's your food? I'm not really hungry. No, we need. All right, what do you got? I got you got your book out. I saw you got your um. I got multiple books out. I did a ton of research on this, Tony. <laughs> I, I I will tell you, and like I'm not ashamed to admit this. This is the John Lennon album, and among the Beatles solo albums that I just know the least. Yeah, I've I've played it when I've bought it. I didn't have it as a kid. I didn't even have it in college. I think I finally oh, really? got the vinyl of this in my early 30s. Wow. Reckless. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. I, I read so much. I, I didn't buy the remix CD. There was a one CD issue of this in 2005 where they basically ditched the Zappa stuff. Yoko yeah. supervised the right. Lennon CD remixes, which on the Lennon website that you refer to, when they list the re- the issues, the first CD was 87, the 2010 Romantic. Master, they blow off that 2005 remix. They on the Lennon website hmm. makes it look like it never existed, right. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Not like the Beatles to ignore history. And now <laughs> anthology sanitized for your benefit on A Beatles C. Well, you know, we'll talk about drugs for 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> what was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds really about? Find out Sunday on A Beatles C. But yeah, so I did a, a ton of homework on this, Tony. So yeah, I've got all my books out. The Spizer Beatles solo and Apple Records. Here's nice. the funny thing. I've read so much about this record for so many years that I know about it. But hearing, you know, the the live stuff, the Zappa stuff, and really listening to it, this is probably the first time I've listened more than one time in one sitting. All told, I have heard this album, including research for this, probably 10 times in my life. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's it. For a completist, that's like close to zero. Yeah, uh, no question. It, I think, I don't know if you're like this with anything, but I almost had a mental block with this record. Hmm. And... Hmm. You know, the the lead off track, which we will get into, yeah. and I've got some solutions for the deluxe reissue of this. Oh, I um, do too. But the, <laughs> I think that's why we're buddies. <laughs> Probably Can't we take our solutions? Similar track. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the loaded use of that word in the one song this album is known for has, I think, always been, I'm not pretending to be perfect, but it's always made it a little off putting for me. I mean, yeah, you don't go around, even back then, you don't go around just say, <laughs> saying that unless there's something wrong with you. And, and Tony, this is an album that I think a lot of Beatle fans might say, I understand what TJ's saying, and the proof is in the sales of this. This was not pressed again in the United States after the 78 Purple Capital pressing. In fact, in the early 80s, using the, they, they didn't even put it on the rainbow label, the Capital Rainbow. Right. Every other Lennon album was either reissued on the, on the green budget line or got a Capital Rainbow reissue in the 80s or even got the manufactured by Purple Capital thing in 88. This album, they, and this is one of the rarest things, they made the gatefold into a single pocket. Uh, for for both records hmm. in the early 80s for the very last pressing of this. Wow. And of course, very few people bought it because no, who's buying this album in 81 or 82 or whatever? Yeah. So uh, this was uh, this was never reissued on cassette after the, its original cassette pressing. CD in 87 and the long box is cool. The long box for this, which I don't have, takes the album cover, the newsprint, and puts half on the front and half on the back. Yeah, that's... Uh I have the 87 CD. That's the only version of this I have is the 87 CD. I don't even have that. I've got yeah. the 2010. I don't have the 87. I would love to copy that and burn that from you so I can have that master in my um, collection. Totally. TJ must collect all the records. Well, to your point, though, TJ, you know, it did not. Yeah, it didn't do well. In the U.S., it charted at number 48. That's as high as this album got. It did better in the U.K., though. It got up to number 11 in the U.K. But then slid down the... Like, it didn't stay. It just slid no. down those U.K. charts. No, no, probably not. And, you know, it was it was also, like I said earlier, delayed in, in, in the U.K. So that might have had something to do with the clamor to hear this record. And then, oh, okay. Yeah. For some time, New York City, yeah. we weren't setting out to make uh, the Brandenburg Concerto. Yeah. Well, should we talk about the background? Yes. Okay, so John and Yoko moved to New York City September of 71. I guess the impetus was for Yoko to, she was trying to get custody of Kyoko. Uh, and John was happy to tag along. So they, they settle in Greenwich Village first. 
And, you know, New York, you were just there, TJ. New York's an exciting city, wouldn't you say? I think it's the most exciting city in the United States. I say this as a native Chicagoan, no joke, Chicago over everything. But yeah, my favorite city to visit is is Manhattan. I, I love New York City. Yeah, there's always just, it's just, there's an energy there. There's, there's an energy there that you can't um, debate. It's there. It's just there. It and seems when you're there, back. Tony, sorry to interrupt you. See, well, having just been there, walking through Midtown and the Upper West Side, I didn't go downtown quite as much, but I was Midtown and West for most of the time I was there, and it was bustling. Yeah, man. Central Park was bustling. I went to Strawberry Fields, where I got to see a very nice gentleman <laughs> sing McCartney songs while people clapped on the one and three to Hey Jude, <laughs> while all I wanted to do while watching two people who uh, I don't think have worked since Lennon was alive, smoking... But eight cigarettes in 30 seconds on a bench. I just wanted to pay my respects to John, and it was not what I would call helpful to me. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. It was me and a bunch of people who would leave us negative reviews. <laughs> oh, it was they one star people. It, right? <laughs> Do that. One, one star, star people. So John's tapping into that energy, that New York energy, and he's fucking excited. Like, this is the first time. Keep in mind, he's been in suburbia since Beatlemania. Yeah. Right? So this is his first time to be like, holy shit. He's in his early 30s. That's probably one of the most exciting times in your life. Yeah. Your early 30s, you still have your 20s energy, but you, you, your head's in a better spot for the most part, you know, generally speaking. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote from John. America is where it's at. I should have been born in New York, man. That's where I belong. <laughs> well, he so, just, you know, talks about us it. being like uh, what uh, Rome was. I mean- yeah. Yeah, man. So so he's caught up in this excitement. And that's when like Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman, they're, you know, uh, political lefties, part of the uh, Chicago seven slash eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, they find him and they, you know, they start, you know, filling him full of like, what's going on? You know, like they took advantage of his eagerness. Yeah. 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 Because they're, you know, this is what, 71, 72. Mm -hmm. um, the 60s are over. But, you know, those guys still have that energy. Those guys still have that 68 energy. Like, they're not letting go of that 1968 energy, which has a little bit of anarchy. It has a little bit of violence. It's got a little bit of uh, fuck it all, fuck it up, you know. Uh, it's almost punk. It's, it's, it's punk. I mean, MC5 were pretty punk or whatever. It is punk. And a lot of it's uh, a, a lot of people to the left and far left and people in the center who knew better were saying, fuck you, Nixon. Yeah, that's another thing that so this is all a response to as well. And, you yeah. know, again, I like to talk about this time. One of my favorite political songs is Stevie Wonder on Intervisions doing He's Mr. Know-It-All mm -hmm. about Nixon. Like, this is a time where the smart artists were united against Nixon and the Republican machine at the time. He's a man with a plan. Got a counterfeit dollar in his hand. But I'm not trying to get 2023 political. These are the yeah. facts of what was happening in the early 70s. And Lenin got caught up in that. Now, to his credit, he later absolved himself of it because as well-intentioned as some of these leftist causes might have been, the use of violence and those tactics, I think John rightfully said, you know, don't show you can count me out. 
you know, and he didn't say mm-hmm. the in part this time. When you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? Don't you know it's gonna be? So he's using his tools, the guitar and his, his lyrics, to get the message out there. And, you know, and that's where this album gets us into, like, very specific subject matter and stuff that, you know, isn't relevant uh, to a degree anymore. Things like the John Sinclair, the MC5 uh, former manager, political guy who got busted for giving two joints to FBI agents. And we'll get to that when we get to the song. But, you know, even by the time by the time he was recording that song, Sinclair had already been let out of prison. You know what I mean? So... Even this material, while they were doing it, was getting stale. And I know we're going to get into the cover in a little bit, but the cover is a newspaper. And how often, except for commemorating a big historical moment, does a newspaper feel relevant or fresh even a day or two later? So the choice of these hyper-political songs, it's almost like on some level, John and Yoko knew what they were doing from a disposability of songcraft perspective Mm. the newspaper kind of shows you this is meant to be read and then i mean if a newspaper literally thrown away in this case theoretically put put on your shelves um you know there's yeah yeah, we'll talk about cover specifics in a moment but i wanted to bring it up in terms of the hyper urgency that in fact had already receded when this album was released certainly in london a lot of these things where people didn't care as much about what was happening in left-wing american politics um yeah this was all dated already, Tony, like a newspaper is. So I wonder if John and Yoko on some level kind of knew what they were doing. Now, the songs are mostly not great. Yeah, I mean. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, they're not his best. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. They are not his best. And keep in mind, this is also following Imagine, which was a huge hit, you know. So, yeah, I guess he took the sugar out of the message and just gave us the raw message in a lot of these songs. We'll see know? it. We saw it with Plastic Ono leading to Imagine, Imagine leading to Sometime in New York City. And then what comes after this is Mind Games, largely an Imagine carbon copy without as many of the political overtones. Because Imagine still had some political overtones, certainly. Mm-hmm. Don't want to be a yeah, soldier. Don't be a soldier, mama. Yeah. Well, I. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like you said, it's a newspaper cover art. The idea was to put this record out as soon as possible. So yeah, there wasn't that much mixing time. They were done recording, what, in March? Yeah, March 20th, which was their third anniversary, uh, noted in the uh, liner notes. Yeah, and then it came out, yeah, like three months later, basically. So that's pretty quick. That's that's a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, what, just the year before he did Instant Karma with um, in two weeks? Yeah, he right, almost had yeah. a press. Was yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. He he wanted it to get out faster, but he went from recording yeah. to release in about a two weeks span. Yeah, it was actually under two weeks. Released ten days after it was recorded. Like if I recall, he wrote the song the day they recorded it. If I recall. That's how that immediate that one was. Oh, yeah. and the Elephant's memory drummer still couldn't get the drum breaks right on the live in New York City album. Those <laughs> one-to-one shows. Why are we here? We'll get it right next time. Yes, Elephant's memory. Let's talk about them. They were a local New York bar band 
that, yeah, they hung out with like uh, Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin and those guys. They were kind of in that crowd. They were kind of a psychedelic band. Uh, and then, yeah, also at this time, John and Yoko were producing their record, the self-titled record, the one that brought us that uh, Wolfman song. <laughs> yes. A few weeks oh, I, ago. I oh, Gypsy Wolf. Let's, let's hear an <laughs> excerpt again. <laughs> Yes, you were talking about the Elephant's Memory drummer. It should be noted that uh, Jim Keltner was also brought in as a drummer on these sessions as well. So. Yes, and in fact is listed, obviously, separately from Elephant's Memory, and the performers are billed as John, Yoko, Keltner, and then Elephant's Memory. So with yeah. all due respect, I'm sure Richard Frank Jr. is great, but when you're working with Jim Keltner, you tell Richard Frank to, uh, you know... Dick Frank. <laughs> That's a Chicago dog. I get a Dick Frank sometimes with Sport Peppers and Jardinera. I've got to be tough so I can meet a woman. I got to be tough so I can pretend to like Malort. <laughs> I bring my own Malort to the Billy Goat Tavern and cry. Malort, kick your mouth in the balls. My life is a Rube Goldberg of mistakes. <laughs> oh, the aftertaste is absolutely putrid. <clears throat> it tastes like lead pencil. It tastes like us. Oh, no, I don't like it. Cough syrup. Gasoline. It's bad, folks. <laughs> it's bad. Okay, we were talking about the newspaper format. This is not the first newspaper, you know, vinyl album concept. The earliest one I could find, there was a Dave Brubeck album that came out in 1955 that looked like Dave Brubeck at Storyville, 1954. Others include songs by Tom Lehrer in 1958. Pete Seeger put out uh, Gazette Volume 2 in 61. Uh, the Four Seasons, Jefferson Airplane. Of course, earlier that year, Jethro Tull, Thick as a Brick, came out in 72, which also had a newspaper thing. But that was uh, a concept album about like a kid who lost a spelling bee or something like that. Making fun of concept records. My words, but a whisper, deafness, a shout. And then later on, Eric Burden, Public Image, Tom Waits, Guns N' Roses, yep. famously with the newspaper. So, yeah, this has been done before and it was done after. It was conceived by John and Yoko on this. It always says execution by Al Steckler. The sleeve design is by Michael Gross, right? Yeah, and the, the photos are by Bob Gruen, who did a lot of the Lennon photos in that era. Yeah, that's wild. He was able to take that picture of Nixon and Chairman Mao dancing naked. It's, I mean, the original Photoshop. <laughs> AI, the first AIs on some time in New York City. Who knew? Some, yeah. God, maybe, yeah. Maybe they can take Yoko screaming on a well, baby, please don't go. The live version. <laughs> they definitely can. <laughs> they can. They that's, can. That's yeah, its channel. Peter Jackson, get Peter Jackson on the phone. <laughs> it's, Peter, it's more important than the Star Club tapes. Remove Yoko for the deluxe. And can you replace Place one word in one song. <laughs> right. Yeah, especially, yeah, can you do it by the time this podcast airs? Because we got to drop that song. <laughs> drop! <laughs> drop! I, at the time, when I bought this record, I was always intrigued by the uh, newspaper art. I thought it was kind of cool. Well, and it goes beyond the newspaper art. There's a bunch of little interesting clues here. Um, on the album and interesting comments like established 1984 
is in the box right. that's clearly a, a reference to Orwell, or at least that's what I interpret it as. You know, there was another quote I heard him talking about Plastic Ono Band, and he was like, our music is uncategorizable. We, we're playing 1984 music or something okay, like that. So, so maybe I, I heard that. him make that reference. You know, I bet it's a bit of both, right? So if he did play 1984 music, it'd be interesting to hear him do Lionel Richie's Stuck on You. Stuck on You. I love that. That's your reference. <laughs> How come TJ won't talk about Jump? There's a whole album called 1984. And right, I chose right. Stuck on You. Um, so that's another one. In the apple is Phil Spector with sunglasses, and under the apple, like on the masthead, says to know him is to love him. Isn't that funny? A little tribute to Phil. Yeah, a little tribute to Phil, who didn't really produce this album in real time, but I believe helped produce the masters of this. Like, I don't think Phil was producing these individual songs. I think he helped assemble the album. Yeah, I can't picture him at these sessions, no. You know... One thing I'll say, Tony, uh, the Gatefold album, we talked about some of the photos. Whether you like it or not, it's cool to see a photo of Zappa with Yoko and John. And the caption is the plastic Ono mothers, referring to mothers of invention. (laughs) The Lennon Frank Zappa thing sure didn't last long. And I don't know that it gave us quality, but it doesn't make it any less cool that it exists. Yeah, they came out for an encore. It was like the the last night of, uh, I think they did four shows. The Mothers did four shows at uh, Fillmore East. And John and Yoko came out for an encore. Uh, yeah, to just kind of improvise, I guess. And uh, that's that, you know, we'll talk about that. That's the live jam record. You remember the big controversy about this at the time, right? And I, they, they don't talk about this in a lot of the books. But one of the things I remember is at that very same show, at that Zappa show with the Mothers of Invention, Paul had a piano rolled out. He was in the wings and he was going to sing You Mothers Should Know as a tribute to Zappa and his band. <laughs> And he had like the whole like a chorus of boys come down for da 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 da. Yeah, right. all dressed in white tuxes, right. and one of them had a black rose. But uh, Paul got cold feet, and uh, that was that. And he left and started working on "Give Ireland Back to the Irish," and that's the story. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, there. You go, another Beatle uh, exclusive. You never hear that one. Never hear that story because <laughs> we because we made it up. Let's all get up and dance to a song that was a hit before your mother was born. Though she was born a long, long time ago, you mothers should know. An evening of warm, intimate, musical entertainment. Well, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's a big gatefold. You get all these great pictures. You also get a picture of a night uh, from the Lyceum Theater in 69, which is that's the other side one of the live jam where you see... Like Keith Moon is there. I'm holding him. I was holding the uh, 78 Capitol pressing. Now I'm holding the 2000. Uh, when did the albums come out? 20, 2015 was when the vinyl came out. Yeah. And this is the postcard that comes with the replica. Yeah. And it's the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. But with the Statue of Liberty, uh, instead of the torch, it's got the the fight, the power fist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is That's neat. cool. Yeah. The 87 so, CD did not come with that. The inner groove, they carved in a little message on the vinyl on the first pressing. Hmm. I found this strange. Peep best forever, Ringo Starr never. Huh. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I misread it. The hand's handwriting. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It says, want a nice tickle, call Jimmy Nickel. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and then it has his uh, OnlyFans <laughs> hashtag on there. <laughs> to the melody of only people. <laughs> no, the inner groove uh, message carved in there says, John and Yoko forever. I'm sorry. John and Yoko forever, peace on earth, and goodwill to men, 72. Because uh, they're big fans of uh, William Refrigerator Perry. They loved him. Well, they knew he was no rookie. Yeah. Was he well, large? Yeah. Well, he was a rookie, TJ. He was just no dumb cookie. You're looking at the fridge. I'm the rookie. I may be large, but I'm no dumb cookie. You, you see me hit. hit. You, you see, see me run. run. I'll tackle anybody. Look at that. Look at that nun. <laughs> <laughs> fridge hated organized religion. Yeah. I, I, one I of the first him. atheists in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was right. Check the data. <laughs> <laughs> or check the mama, not the mama. <laughs> Dinosaurs call back. <laughs> not the mama. Let's talk about how this album was received. Yes. Um, speaking of William Perry, who did receive a, uh, a handoff and scored oh. a touchdown in Super Bowl Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and Ditka didn't let Peyton do it. I love his politics, but I'll never forgive him. I'm talking about Peyton. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Walter Peyton should have scored a touchdown in the yes. Super Bowl. Uh Rolling Stone said, uh, referred to this record as incipient artistic suicide. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go, oops, I thought I was reviewing Ram. <laughs> Rolling yeah. Stone hated the yeah, early Yeah, they were hard on Ram. Wait till you hear yeah. sometime in your story. The Lennons should be commended for their daring. What is deplorable, however, is the egotistical laziness that allows artists of such proven stature who claim to identify with the working class hero to think they can patronize all who they would call sisters and brothers. Wow, that's pretty. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's, I would. It's accurate, though. I would. I would say it's accurate. I think they lost their way. I think they were so jacked up on 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 the excitement of being in New York City, and imagine being such a hit. Like imagine the world. Like they're they're going off of this huge success of a of a of a political song. Imagine is a political song. You know. You know, Tony, he was doing the same thing the previous Christmas of 71 with Happy Xmas, which is a political yeah. song in some respects. And the billboards all over the, the world in Christmas of 71, war is over if you want if you it. want it, man. But you're right. Those are sugarcoated. This, he kind of said, I've, I'm w working with this bar band. They have a Guinness Book of World Record holder <laughs> in there, world's loudest saxophone player. So why not utilize this? <laughs> Bronstein's his name. He's got a name, TJ. <laughs> All right, Jim Croce. <laughs> Love Jim Croce. Yeah, one of the few covers he actually did. Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name. I've got a name. Uh, Cream called the album Not Half Bad. It may be 49.9% bad, but not half bad. <laughs> Wait, who felt that? Was that Jack Bruce or Clapton or the other guy? <laughs> Ginger. Ginger Baker. <laughs> Ginger Baker. <laughs> the other guy. NME. Len Lennon, you're a pathetic aging revolutionary. Uncut. Contender for the worst LP by a major musical figure. Yeah, man, they were harsh. Lennon took these reviews pretty hard, man. He was, uh, I, think that's, I think that's why from then on he was kind of second guessing everything and maybe why he took a break and two years later, three years later. Yeah, and this also, listening to this album again helps give a lot more context for the Lost Weekend stuff that was not that 
far away, how his life would change over the next couple of years and what that would do for him and his recording career. And all of a sudden then it's the birth of Sean and his life would just change and slow down. This was like a weird and uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows how John Lennon would feel in 2023? I spent a lot of time thinking about how John and George would feel about things in the world. John, especially because he commented on it. I could see George teaming up with like Clapton to be like, vaccines are bad. Don't do them. (laughs) I could see like, I've been wronged before by vaccine. Like, all right, great. I could see George being a skeptic in some respects, but like John, for example, uh, you know, John has a, um, on the cover, the, right at the bottom of the of the front sleeve says register to vote. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I want to say that it's scrawled on the back of the mother's record too. Yeah, the 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 1971 thing. It says don't forget to register to vote. What in what looks like John's handwriting. Yeah, so what does that tell you? To me, I mean, I've always thought that John would be for Black Lives Matter. I believe that John would be for the for the Me Too mov- movement and would have been for the for the May Toe movement. <laughs> me, May, Ma, Me Too. Me, May, Ma, Me Too. <laughs> That's how now everyone has to warm up, too. Did you hear about this? It's a Vocal new thing. <laughs> Unless you're at an old Jewish wedding where the men are on one side, the women are the other. If you're mixed, you have to do me, me, ma, me, too. Mo, mo, me. <laughs> I do think John would be for the Me Too movement and and the MoMA movement. <laughs> and I think John would have loved James Ingram's Yamo Be There duet with Michael McDonald. <laughs> I think that's it. Well, here's what he had to say in 75 about this record. It became journalism and not poetry. And I basically feel that I'm a poet. Later, though, then he's like, then I began to take it seriously on another level saying, well, I am reflecting what is going on, right? So it's like, he's like, he's kind of like, he's, yeah, he's a little mixed up. He's like, well, fuck, I'm, I'm doing my thing. Why didn't it work this time? Yeah. You know? That's what makes the story of his ending, which I thought about a lot, standing at the Dakota a few weeks ago. That's where I, after Strawberry Fields is always such a, a mishigas of, of awful people screaming <laughs> McCartney songs. <laughs> like, oh, the John Memorial's great. Why is this guy playing Flaming Pie? <laughs> well, I guess that would make sense because John yeah, claimed yeah, it. Oh, there what, you go. Yeah, 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 Subconscious <laughs> Beatle jokes all tied together. Uh, take it again. Uh, why is this guy playing Calico Skies? Same album, different tune. Um, but yeah, I did stand where John was killed at the Dakota, and I didn't oh, cry this time. Some, sometimes I cry, but I always go, and I... I have uh, watching the wheels playing, and I did the uh, the acoustic version, which I oh, I really love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm making the wheels go round and round. Right, um, right. Where he did that at the Dakota. That's one. You know, I, that wasn't a conscious choice, but you're totally right. So extra, and the New York Times just had an article. I actually need to send you a friend sent to me that it looks like Yoko's permanently left the Dakota, that the era oh, yeah, of- yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so extra chills. I didn't see that till I got back from New York, but um, yeah, so by the time he reemerged for Double Fantasy and what would come later with Milk and Honey, which I think is superior to Double Fantasy, the songs John was working on already, yeah, or many of them were, you know, now that John got the politics out of his system and he's focusing on family and the 80s and starting over- 
as the Reagan era progressed and then the 80s became the 90s and Kurt Cobain's ascent, it just, it always sends me down a rabbit hole of what would John be doing? What would it be? And less even, would they get back together and do uh, any time at all at, at, at Detroit's, you know, <laughs> the, at, all, they open up at Comerica? <laughs> I, I love it. So it's less Beatles reunion and more like, what would John have given to the world? Because even when John swings and misses, maybe more than any other artist, he's so sincere and so endearing that I don't begrudge him the failure of this album. I salute it without really wanting to listen to it. Make some human, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Let's go track by track, man. Let's do it. Let's get into this double album sometime in New York City. Great. And stay tuned for an episode next year for the 53rd anniversary where we're going to make this into an EP. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we don't have to talk about this song yet again. Even Maybe it's, it's on mine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, musically, I still like this song. Woman is the N word of the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This marks the 400th time we're talking about this song. Yeah. Um, no, it's, I think it actually is only the fourth time we're talking about it. We have to talk about it. Yeah, we I have mean, to. It's, it, it, it exists. It's on Shaved Fish, not on a compilation since. <laughs> no, it has not made a compilation since. Lennon's Ultimate Mixes with the best of John Lennon's catalog as never heard before features Angela. <laughs> what? Yeah, right, right, Guy. right. That's the new one. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, yeah, we'll get I'll to Angela, get to right? Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about this song before to reiterate. I think, uh, once again, it's a clumsy attempt at a good message, okay? Mm -hmm. Swing and a miss, we've said that. Yeah, the, if we're looking at the message... The message is good. It's raising awareness about the inequality uh, in uh, men and women and that women are treated as second class citizens like and he uses examples. We make them paint their face and dance and all this stuff and that we should do something about it like that. We lose track of that. Do something about it. Yes. Do something about it. Think about it. Do something about it. He's he's imploring. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. So really it is. It's just this one word that ruins it all. And it's a shitty word and fuck that word. Okay. And even at that time, Pete Bennett, uh, the head of Apple promotions, he refused to promote this song when John was putting it out as the, the lead single. And John challenged him to a bet. He said, okay, if you won't promote it, I will. And if it goes to number one, then you're no longer the number one prom promotions man in the business, which I don't know if that means like you don't work for Apple anymore or what, but, and Pete Bennett was happy to double down and like, okay, great, go for it. And so uh, John starts calling up radio stations, asking them to play it. And only a couple people did. I think you, your buddy Elliot Mintz did, and it cost him his job. <laughs> Why is he my buddy? My buddy. My buddy. My buddy. My buddy. I don't know. You brought him up. <laughs> You brought him up a couple weeks ago. Because he's weird. He's been like in Yoko's circle forever. And I don't know. Just he's a your buddy. Elliot Minsing. Fine. Geraldo's your buddy. Woo. Uh, yeah. I mean, we look alike. Hey. And I look, dude, next April Fool's show, you're Geraldo and I'm Elliot Mintz. We do the show as those 70s superstars of media. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. so it didn't go to number one, Tony. In no. the, it, it went to number 57. 57. Uh, on Billboard. Cashbox didn't even chart it, and Record wow. World had it at 87. Wow. 
and even in this book that you and I both love, that's been my favorite Beatle book since the early 80s, The Beatles on Record by Mark Walgren, not in print anymore. If you can find it, grab it. To say, and this is written in, I think, 82, so this is mm. somewhat only a decade previous this was released. To say that the single raised a bit of a furor when it hit the streets is an understatement. For the second time in his career, John found his new record banned from the airwaves in most markets. The song did not support or urge the use of the derogatory epithet for black people, but rather used N-word as a symbol for any and all oppressed people of the world, in this case, women. So the narrative has never changed. I no. don't believe, at least exactly. from what I could find, there was like a, a 70s version of cancel John Lennon the racist. I just think it was ugly yeah, and it remains ugly. ugly. Yeah. And on, I've got the 45, I got this at reckless in I have the sleeves of in March of 2011. I saw it for $9. Wow. I finally picked it up. There it is. And you know, it's, it's really hard to see now. It says Nova on the top. Do you know what that is? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Nova is what inspired Oasis to do their hit Champagne Supernova, which is racist because they were so inspired by this cover and the Gallagher brothers are both dicks. So yeah, Nova inspired Champagne Supernova, which is arguably more racist than that won't happen in a small town. <laughs> right. Whoever that guy is. Fuck or that his guy. 15 minutes are already done by the time this airs. So I hope. <laughs> Fuck that guy. How many change how many living strange where we while we were getting so uh, nova is a magazine i believe where yoga yes. gave the quote to yes in 1969 was it it was it, it was in the March 60s, of 69 yes. yeah and i always thought this is so ironic that something yoko said got taken by her man john <laughs> and turned into his message <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's a little john I mean, basically mansplained the n-word to america <laughs> yeah yeah man well yeah, all weird. right so so fuck the word and all that and we've talked about the message a hundred times let's talk about the music i love the music of this song i really again and i've probably said that last time too i still love the chords of this song i love the melody i love the kind of the 50s thing the music is like seven beats and then eight beats right. i like that i love all the sax that's stan the man bronstein on sax we make a paint of face and dance if she won't be a slave and say that she don't love Like Clarence Clemens louder and whiter. You'll love Stan the Man Bronstein. 
Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I, I do like this. I do like this song as a music and as a message other than the damn word. Cause I think the, the message still remains. It's still happening. Like there's inequality in pay still like that message that something is wrong with equality is still relevant. I hear you. I think part of my problem with this has always been, I think the song is terrible. Mm, you don't like I, the music of this song? No. In fact, oh. the song that follows talk about the 50s, 60s feel that I really, really like on in Sisters Oh Sisters, which we're going to get to. Also, great NBC sitcom for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's what they called it. They called the show Sisters, Sisters Oh Sisters in Ireland <laughs> to, make, to make up for this. Um, yeah, I mean, first off, the opening track on this album should not be the song. It's five minutes and 15 seconds. It's droney. It is the opposite of, of a pop boiler. We'll get to what the opening of this album should be in just a few more tracks. Yeah, right. But to open with this record, hmm. the, the word is caustic. The music is, to me, unexciting. Hmm. Imagine was beautiful. Give Peace a Chance was chanty. Revolution was a rocker. He's doing this song with a great message and the most offensive word ever as almost like a purdy shuffle fifties do 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 yeah it's it, i like that and yes it is and <laughs> i don't think either of us is right or wrong to me right. it's no. maybe if he was singing about yoko is the woman that i love maybe if it was that maybe i'd be more into it sure but I don't think the lyrics help the melody. I don't think the melody helps the lyrics. World's longest, they do what feels like a 16-bar Saxon guitar solo. And then don't <laughs> resume with the chorus. They resume with another, uh, I don't know if it's a bridge, the, to make a pain of face, all the whatever. I don't, I don't yeah. know what that's categorized as in the song. And then they go into the chorus again after that. It just And by the way, the single of this at 5 minutes and 15 seconds is the album version. If there was ever a case for, like Billy Joel saying, cut it down to 305, this would be one. <laughs> well, they did it on Shave Fish, because that's where I first heard this song. That's the edit. They get rid of one, a whole verse. Yes, that's where I first heard it too, was in the vinyl of Shave Fish. Uh, a 45 that I have had since the late 80s is my guess. In April of 77, when this uh, John Stand By Me was released on Capitol's Starline label, mm, the B-side, the, their budget label, the B-side is Woman is the <laughs> of the World. And how go. ridiculous at the time that like Stand By Me's like, I mean, like you, you can't throw power to the people on here. Like, you, they were hoping that maybe the song had aged better. Right? <laughs> Five years later, no, it hadn't. It just, it's one of the weirder pairings on 45. That's you walk a into a restaurant pairing. with a jukebox. Like, <laughs> I just want to hear B-Sides today. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's B-Side Friday. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Can you? Okay, here's a question for you, Tony. Uh, and our, uh, we love Terry oh, Hemmert. I listen a lot to the Beatles channel and Sirius XM. Can you play this on a Beatles themed radio show? And what kind of context would it need before or after in 2023? Can you do a, all right, we're looking at Lennon deep cuts. This was on his first greatest hits album. Can you play it? Okay. I mean, I think you can. And, um, I mean, there will be consequences. So there's that. So I think people won't because of those consequences. I mean, we're going to have to wrestle this with how we drop it. I, I think I have an idea. We just, I want to hear the music. I don't want to hear a beep. 
Um, so I think we can AI get rid of that word or put it in backwards, whatever, so that something's there. I don't know. Um, or replace it with Alf, or just something goofy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. I love goofy bits for offensive things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they can play it, but yeah, yeah, there'll be consequences. I, I do have a solution. Actually, I didn't come up with this, TJ. Um, this is a UBP Untitled Beatles Podcast exclusive. Untitled Beatles Podcast exclusive. Okay, TJ, so our sponsor, Kenny Rogers Roasters, has partnered with the songwriters at the New Brill Building to make this song that everyone can sing again. Hit me. Kenny roasts the chicken of the world. Yes, he does. Better eat about it. Rogers toast the chicken with a swirl. <laughs> what? Yes, he does. If you don't believe me, taste the healthiness of that skin. You could order it with nuggets or with a side. <laughs> You're riffing. Get some coleslaw made with Thai food and fries. Gigi <laughs> says we must eat healthy. So that's our solution. That's and we solution. make cash. Yeah, we sell out. The solution, sell out. But that's right. <laughs> the Beatles sell out, and so does the Untitled Beatles podcast. Um, one thing that would be easy enough to do, taking your point that you like the music of the song, it was a single, it was Lennon in his heyday. Why can't you just do like what they do? There's a great station. The former Oldies 104.3 is now Hip Hop Oldies. I had no idea. And like, there's not a lot of new rap I listen to, but like this is like all like the early '90s, mid '90s. It's like Snoop and Ice Cube and early oh, Jay Z. Like right, right. it's at, you know Fifty Cent. Now it's it's right. all that stuff, and it's it's a really fun listen. And every song is beeped out. Sometimes they just oh, drop crazy. the word out. All yeah. they do, yeah, drop the word out know, better than a beep. And. There's no reason with Giles Martin technology they can't do that here. And I am not saying replace it with that. I'm saying make a single edit that you tack on the deluxe edition of this that can be released to radio stations and bring back a song John Lennon wrote in his prime in the last bastion of his uh, politicking, a song that's on his first greatest hits album, and not replace any of the existing records with a clean version but re-release it to radio with the word just mixed out of it, not even beeped. Do you think Yoko will team up with AI and all that and get him to say something else in there, you know, like a word that isn't shitty? You know, will Yoko team up with AI? I think Yoko all the years in New York was probably more of a Knicks fan, but <laughs> I, <I've, laughs> I knew you were going here. But, you know, Alan Alan Iverson, <laughs> every time I hear AI is taking over, I'm like, yeah, we talk about practice, <laughs> not a game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. So yeah, man, uh, that's my solution. It is a major John Lennon song where he attempted to make a major statement that was ill-conceived but noble that I wish wasn't forgotten about, and maybe AI can add a clean version to it. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We talking about practice, man. <laughs> All right. We talking about practice. Let's not talk about that song for some... A great, a great amount of time. 
until we do, we have a listener suggestion of racist Beatles songs. So we'll <laughs> can't wait, can't wait. Let's get get that in my calendar ASAP. <laughs> uh, moving on, this is uh, this sort of begins the whole uh, John does a song, Yoko does a song thing uh, that we would later see on Double Fantasy. Uh, yeah. Sisters, oh sisters, male chauvinist engineer. <laughs> male chauvinist pig engineer. <laughs> I like that. That's fun. I think that's fun. Uh, I love it too, and I love how all the men in the room kind of laugh, which is which is funny. Like they they're clearly yeah. into it. Right on, sister. I love it. This this is actually on a John Lennon record, one of the first doses of female empowerment on a popular pop record. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Like, it's so great. Yeah, this one's fun. Yeah, I like this. To me, it, yeah, I called it woke shanana. <laughs> is, is that because Bowser had narcolepsy? <laughs> right, you're right. This is before that term was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, this is originally intended as a reggae song, but I guess Elephant's Memory were not versed in that genre. <laughs> so they did their shanana thing. Uh, yeah, I like this song. I mean, it has like a Lulu or there's, I feel like there's something out of like, I guess it's like more of a Phil Spector, sixties uh, girl group sound, but that's uh, what I've got down. It's a late fifties, <laughs> early sixties, Phil Spector girl group rock vibe. Yeah, And man. it's, it's like, it's one of my favorite Yoko tunes. It's actually on the B side of the title track. It starts off like the album with the first two songs. And it's a really fun. It actually sounds. I played my forty five. Yeah. It's it sounds great in forty five. It's like an early sixties too. Yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, covered by the Tater Tots in 1989. They were kind of a L.A. punk supergroup, Red Cross and uh, other other band members. Uh, they also did a version of I've Just Seen a Face with Danny Bonaducci on lead vocals. <laughs> FYI. Get this right. Let's go back to the old standby. I've just seen a face, I can't forget the time or place where we just met. She is the girl for me. I want all the world to see we've met. Then radio host? Is it was it like a gimmick? This is well. This would have been the eighties. Was he on the radio in the eighties? I forget when he started his uh, radio shtick. Yeah, I forgot. He was like a shock jock guy or whatever. For right? a while, yeah. He was trying to be Imus or something. We're all just trying to be Imus. <laughs> Woman is the Imus of the world. <laughs> it's too close to anus. Moms demand action. Says throw ten books away. Why? What have I done? <laughs> Yeah, I like this song. I got not, not much more on that one. 
Well, I am pretty sure that the chorus sounds um, to me like it was used in a cartoon in Japan. Yeah. I can see like a Japanese 70s cartoon. Yeah, Robotech, I think. That was the theme for Robotech. <laughs> you say that Spectre Man, I think, opened that way. <laughs> All about the Phil Spectre cartoon. <laughs> yeah, the Phil Spectre Man. <laughs> Spectre Man. Spectre Man. What is that tweeting bird out there? Spectre Man. The bird, goddammit, out there. See the flash like a flame. A mystery with the name. Spectre Man. <laughs> Fucking cool. Is that 32? Yeah, Channel yeah, 32 at like lunchtime. It. Now back to Spectre Man on Channel 60. Oh, there's one funny moment. There's a forced energy glissando when it's clear the song won't end. <laughs> there's like a high, oh, we're going to repeat again. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> That's called piano power right there. <laughs> And in classic TJ and Tony fashion, we ran out of time just two tracks into the album. But we will be back to wrap it all up next week. Also, just a quick point of clarification. I think we all agree that the male chauvinist pig engineer mentioned earlier. I mean, that was a reference to P3Z nuts, right? Robots are genderless and don't participate in chauvinism. Also, Tony mixed and edited the show this week. Also, you're an idiot. Anyway, thank you, as always, for checking out the show. If you'd like to help us out, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be back next Saturday with the thrilling conclusion of our deep dish into sometime in New York City. Take us out, Yoko. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>